Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. It's super important that we're not just looking at the senior leaders, we're also holding every single employee in the company as a leader. And so when I'm working with anybody, when people come to our courses, I don't care if you just started in your career and you're frontline, you're waiting tables, you're doing whatever, you are a leader. If you're not leading your life, then who else is doing it for you? So I really try and instill that in people as soon as possible. Like we all have a responsibility for leading. We all have a responsibility for creating culture. But senior leadership, the higher up you are, the more responsibility you have. This is Anise Kavanaugh a powerhouse of inspiration when it comes to how you as a leader and organization can have more positive impact on all stakeholders. She's founder and CEO of Active Choices and author of some highly impactful books, Contagious Culture, Contagious You, and The Leader You Will Be. The team at Active Choices help organizations create positive energy workplaces. Preparing and having this conversation with Denise have had profound impact on me and how I see myself and the impact I have on other people in all aspects of life and work. It made me deeply reflect on how I want to show up and also what I want to become. We go on a journey where we talk self-leadership, the power of not being busy for the sake of it, going slow to go fast, the amazing work Denise and her team are doing with leaders of our, and organizations and how they help them make transformations to build better culture and thereby better companies and in the end, much better results. We talk about the impact leaders have on other people and the importance that leaders, especially in these times with huge uncertainty, take care of themselves so they can show up stronger and more impactful. Anise gives some very strong advice on how you can better say no to yourself, but also make agreement with the teams to say no so you avoid burnout of yourself and the team. Anise also shares very openly what she's learned about herself and the impact the pandemic have had her and the changes she had to go through with the team. She gets some very practical advice on how to implement routines that ensure that you start and end the day with having time to yourself and rest and charge your energy and brain. Before you tune in, Please sign up for a weekly newsletter packed with more Maverick insights, strategies, and tools. Find the link in the show notes or visit hospitalitymavericks.com. Lots of great reflections can happen as you listen to this conversation. So my advice is to stop what you're doing, sit down, grab pen and paper. You can potentially be boosting your impact already today. I have always been on the pursuit to understand how and can I actually make more impact on myself and the people around me. 
And I'm sure that you guys that's listening out there, because we talked about this on the show before, also looking for that, especially in this time, in this moment in time where both our you know, industry, but also the, the world is moving so fast. And every day there is a, a new chapter to consider and move in. And uh, also today's guest has brought a book to me and it was a bit like a good to great, you know, all out there. I'm a big fan of and believe in it from a leadership principle. It really made me think, and Anise's book here is also Contagious You, really made me think about, is that actually the way you can actually bring good to great to life in a more simpler way? Because she come up with something so brilliant and simple that you would think that, oh yeah, why didn't I think about that? Why didn't I write that book? Uh, about how you actually build culture on energy and how you show up. Uh, and therefore, I'm so excited when... Um, Ari Weinschweig from Singermans that has been here on the show introduced me to Anise's work because it was like a light bulb moment of that missing piece I needed for something and really reflecting on myself as well. But enough about me and my reflections before the show. I will like to welcome you, Anise, to the show. I'm so grateful you had the opportunity to take time out. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. So before we really go into the nitty gritty of how we actually, you know, make impact and how we show up, I would like to just, if you could, in a, in a, in a short way, in an elevator pitch, talk a bit about what is your purpose and uh, what kind of impact do you want to leave with, with the work you are doing? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it's, it's really, really simple. My, my entire life, I think my devotion is around helping people have more impact in whatever way is most important to them. And also at the same time, feeling really good doing it. So I, I decided a long time ago that it, I don't think it's very interesting for us to be running around having a ton of impact and burning ourselves out and not having enough of ourselves to run around at the, you know, for our families at the end of the day. So my obsession through as long as I can remember, actually, has always been how do you create impact? And how do you also take such great care of yourself and manage your energy so that you still feel awesome for the rest of your life? So create great impact and then feel good doing so. And then if you take that into an organizational and cultural standpoint, our entire company is devoted to creating positive energy workplaces. So authentically, not toxic, authentically positive energy workplaces. And if you get a bunch of people practicing what we're going to talk about today and show up really well, and being devoted to impact and taking good care of themselves, then you automatically start to create a really positive, contagious culture. And I love that you talk about without making compromise on yourself and your health and, and the well-being. Because actually, if I think about back on my first part of my career, if I'm talking about impact, I was all about getting stuff done. You know, be be looking valuable was about looking busy and just, you know, doing everything, have long to-do lists and telling giving orders to a lot of people I was manager for. I was probably a horrible manager at that point if I looked back today. But, uh, but uh, that's so interesting because we are still, I think, even though that we have had this moment in time uh, in organization and, and as leaders, we're still busy, aren't we? Just doing a lot of stuff. We are. We are. And, you know, it's so funny. I love I love the awareness that you have. I love it that you just called yourself out as possibly a terrible manager years ago. <laughs> Because I always look at this as 70% of this work is in our, in our awareness. So the minute we start to have awareness around the fact that, oh, gosh, I am really busy or, wow, you know what? Busy has become a default for me and I'm actually kind of using my busy as a badge of honor. 
you know, cause that's a lot of what we do too, is we use busy as a badge of honor. Like, Oh no, but Michael, I'm so busy. Are you busy? Oh my God. I'm so, and it becomes this busy competition. Um, but the minute we have awareness that we're showing up with ourselves and with other people in a way that's actually not life giving and not really serving what we're doing, then the next 30% is what do we actually decide to do with it? So I, so I, I think, I think this point around busy is a really fun place to kind of start looking at in this conversation because most people don't realize how busy they are and how busy they actually don't need to be. And I guess that leaders really, you know, sometimes trying to put that busyness down through the organization because they want to create that domino effect. We will get more done, but it's exactly the, the, the right thing you're going to do, get done. And what is the consequence of this when you do it? And that was why I was just reflecting as you were saying that I think about, wow, I really, really made some, some, some impact, some terrible impact in my past without really being aware of it and, and what it does to other people as well. Sure. Well, and again, I love that awareness, right? Because, because by the way, we've all done it. I do it too. I lead this work for my living <laughs> and I, and I have unintended impact all the time. If I lose presence and I lose connection to the intention of what I'm wanting to do um, and how it impacts the people in my company. So I think that, you know, in this conversation, I want to just add in a little element also of how important it is to be kind to ourselves around where, you know, like for you, if you're looking at why well, I've had some really unintended impact or negative impact, the next place I'd invite you to look is, well, how do I actually be kind to myself about that and get curious about what I would do differently moving forward? Because one of the things that ends up happening is people get really busy. They have unintended impact or negative impact, and then they beat themselves up for it, which is just more of an energetic depleter. And so then it becomes this vicious, vicious cycle of um, negative energy versus going, wow, I had unintended impact. Wow. I've been really busy and not conscious about how I'm impacting people. So how do I want to stop, pause, reboot, and then shift it. And when you work with, you know, people and organization, we, we jumped in to talk about the impact and, and being busy as a starting point, but what is the typical kind of situation you come in and see? And I know there's probably a million ways into a situation, but what, what kind of situation is it? What kind of transformation will you see within both within the organization and the people within that? Yeah, it's a great question. And so it's a great question. Here's what I find is that it doesn't matter the industry. It doesn't matter the level of leadership that we're talking to. Um, it doesn't matter like gender, like it's human beings, um, human beings, everything I'm about to say, this applies to human beings in organizations. And so typically what we will see when people call us will be, there's a lot of exhaustion on the team. The energy just feels mich. Um, they might have a lot of burnout happening. People aren't getting along. There may be infighting in between leaders. Like they're just not collaborating well. Um, they're not communicating well, a lot of blame, passing the buck, a lack of accountability. Um, really just the sense of overwhelm and not being clear about what are we actually focusing on? Why are we doing it? And often there's very little awareness around how are we actually taking care of our people and setting ourselves up so that they can run this really fast marathon. Because in business, as we all know, like we have businesses to run, we have impact to have, we have revenue to produce, we have customers to serve. It's absolutely, absolutely important. So that never stops. But the more we can arm ourselves and our people with the tools to really manage their energy and get start to get aware of how are they showing up, then the easier it is to start to change all those things we just talked about. So a lot of times we'll come in 
because, you know, a company is in, I always talk about it as triage or optimization mode. And I talk about this in contagious culture, um, but triage is the company, the team is in pain, the company's in pain. You know, a lot of what I just mentioned is some symptoms. Um, optimization is they're already doing really great. They're already kind of killing it, but they want to do even better and they want to set their people even up for more success. So when we look at that, then we'll start to, you know, we'll really start to look at, all right, well, what are the core factors that are showing up and how are each of the individuals, especially the leaders in that organization showing up and being a part of the, the problem or part of the solution, whatever way we want to look at it to actually start to shift it. And, and why is it so interesting in your work to, to look at the leaders when you go into an organization? What is it that, you know, of course they are responsible and they should do something about it, but why is it that you, it's really interesting to look at that level? Well, because in many, many ways, leaders are setting the tone for what's happening in the company. So to your point earlier about the busy leader who's running around and like, get this done, get this done, get this done, and coming in every day or, you know, on Zoom or wherever we're at every day, talking about how busy they are, that's all contagious. So, you know, the leader, if the leader is showing up busy and not present and is not taking accountability, that becomes what's okay in the organization. If the leader is burnt out and not taking care of themselves and not turning off at night and accepting emails and responding at two o'clock in the morning, that's what starts to become the norm of what's expected in the organization. So the leaders have a really beautiful opportunity and responsibility to really look at, all right, how am I showing up that this is, you know, how am I showing up in, am I showing up in a way, excuse me, am I showing up in a way that is helping me create the impact and the kind of behaviors I want to see in my people. And then the only thing I would add to that, Michael, is that we look at the leaders for sure. Cause we want, you know, one of the worst things I can see happen is a company goes, yes, we as leadership totally believe we should be doing this work, go do the work with our people. And then the leaders aren't participating. That is a recipe for disaster. So we actually have a rule that in order to do a work with a company, we have to have senior leadership engaged in the process because otherwise it's going to be um, almost hypocritical. And we've seen that happen where we'll do work with the workforce or middle managers and they'll be like, well, our leaders aren't doing this work. So what's the point? So that's it's You know, we're moving up and down. The other piece I was going to say is that um, it's super important that we're not just looking at the super, at the senior leaders. We're also holding every single employee in the company as a leader. And so when I'm working with anybody, when people come to our courses, I don't care if you just started in your career and your front line, you're waiting tables, you're doing whatever you are a leader. Cause if you're not leading, then who else is, you know, like if you're not leading your life, then who else is doing it for you? So I really try and instill that in people as soon as possible. Like we all have a responsibility for leading. We all have a responsibility for creating culture. But senior leadership, the higher up you are, the more responsibility you have, I believe. And especially right now in in our industry and in the hospitality industry and in general in frontline industry jobs, there's a you know, there's a challenge. There's not enough people joining organization and not enough hands. And I had a conversation the other day and uh, and you reminded that in one of your uh, I think it was a newsletter you sent out where you talk about Gallup, how they have this, you know, year or Twice every second year, I think they do this global engagement survey, and they wrote a book a couple of years ago. I got it's the manager. So, and I think you have mentioned it a couple of times in different things. You know, the reason why people leave the business is often not because of the business is because of the manager. And if we all think back when we left the job, it's it's you know nine out of ten times it's probably because the relationship with your nearest boss or toxic colleagues or something. 
For sure. Well, you know, so for sure, I I think the number is either 50 or 51% of people leave the manager in their company. They don't leave the company or the purpose. They actually really like the company and the purpose, but they end up leaving because of the relationship with the manager. Um, and then either 50 or 51%, I always get the numbers confused, but the other, you know, the other side of that is that every single per 50% of the people that leave a company look back and in their exit, they say that there was something that the company could have done to have shifted their decision. So I hear that and I go, oh, that's a regrettable loss for sure. Unnecessary, regrettable loss. And two, um, boy, there's a lot we can do about that. So I get a little bit excited about that statistic because what that means is it really is in our power to start looking at, all right, how am I, am I, am I the kind of manager or leader that people are staying with because they want to or because they have to? You know, I was um, I have I have a couple of kids and one of my kids works in hospitality and um, they they were uh, they, they were sharing with me that the one of the places their friends are working at right now, they love the job, but they're short staffed because of COVID and all these different pieces and the managers are exhausted, you know, so I always want to like really honor the stress that is on a manager and a leader leading right now. Um, or anytime, but especially right now, the manager exhausted. So the managers are having unintended impact all over the place. And what's happening is the frontline employees are going, we're not going to put up with this anymore. And they're leaving. And honestly, what needs to happen is the manager needs a little bit of space to kind of catch themselves, reboot, get some support from their upper leadership and start to look at how are they showing up and how are they creating this? Because I'm watching literally this company that, that these kids work for. I'm watching these kids exit and the company's awesome but it's these two managers. So, you know, we need to arm frontline workers with the ability to feel safe to give feedback. We need to arm managers with training of how do they take care of themselves and how do they intentionally impact their frontline workers. We need to arm senior leadership that's setting a lot of the tone and the policies for how fast are we moving? There's just, there's a lot we can do about it. I could, I could totally geek out on this, <laughs> on this pathway if you want. Yeah, it's really interesting to say it's unintentional, but I actually believe it often is. Like most leaders want to do great, but they, you know, get exhausted. Like that's a classic definitely in hospitality, even pre-pandemic, because it's a tough job. It's a physical job and it's a real you're in the moment job all the time because you're running a restaurant and people come and go, customers, employees, and yeah. Yeah. And, and let's be super clear. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to have a negative impact today and make somebody feel bad. Like no, nobody. I mean, maybe there's some people that are doing that. I don't know. But in my experience, like mo nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to have a really negative impact today. And I want to kind of take out my exhaustion on the people around me. Like nobody's intending to do that. And so again, it comes back to that first, you know, where we first started where it's like, it's really important to give ourselves some space and grace right now at any time around okay, wow, I am exhausted. Am I aware of how exhausted I am? Am I aware about the amount of stress I have going on right now? Like, how am I taking care of myself so that I can become more resilient so that I can actually not only have a better impact on myself and my family, but also be more intentional about the impact I'm having with my people? Yeah, and I guess also, it. Uh, I guess it comes down to leaders' ability to really feel okay about saying no as well, because you need to create the space by saying no to something. Because leaders of, I can remember in my early years in leadership, especially in hospitality, I wanted to make everyone happy. I want, I said yes to everything. And if uh, employees wanted to have a shift off, I will take that shift or whatever. And actually what I found out, because I had a really good mentor, he said, you need to stop doing Michael and sit still. 
Um, and it was one of the best advice I ever got. It took me a long time to take it on board and actually practice it because it was like so counterintuitive. But there's all these things that needs to happen. But how do I sit still and actually take care of myself? Yeah, I, I think I think that um, I think that getting clear on well, a couple of things that brings up for me. I think that getting clear on what what are your no's is really important. So, what are your signs of when you're starting to get really overwhelmed and saying yes to too much stuff? And like, what, what do you feel in your body? You know, cause the body, the body gives us so much great information if we can be pre pre present with it. It's like, what am I feeling in my body? So what are my signs? I'm starting to get overwhelmed because I keep saying yes to stuff that really is a no. It's an energetic no. So the, one is noticing that that's an awareness piece. The next piece is starting to look at when do I say no? You know, when do I say oh no? And, and, and can I be okay with letting people down? Can I be okay with letting people down? And even more, I'll take it one step further. How do I make an agreement with my team and my leader, like leadership team or leadership or whoever? How do we make an agreement around what we say no to? You know, what are the what, what are the criteria that start to show us like we need to start we need to start shutting some things down because we're actually going to burn ourselves and our people out. And I, I have a client who they recently decided they told their workforce um, that uh, you know if they could bring 70% to their job right now, that was plenty. Like they could just do 70% right now because they knew people, especially in the height of the pandemic, they knew people were exhausted. People, you know, they had their kids at home. Or, like we, we all, we all saw this. Um, and so what they said was instead of pushing and pushing and pushing, they realized they were going to totally burn people out and they weren't going to get their best thinking and productivity. So they said, well, if we can do 70% right now, take care of yourself. And if you can get 70% of what you would normally do, then we're good. And what ended up happening was it kind of let some breath in the room. People were like, Oh, we're taken care of. We feel good. We're, our company is caring about us. And then it actually activated more energy for people to be more engaged in their work. So my guess is that 70%, they probably were bringing more than their 70. So it's like, how do you make, how do you, how do you look at that as a company? And what, what are your, what are your, what are your lines? And it's actually interesting that it's like going slower to go further in principle. And it's actually, you know, acknowledge that people have batteries like a phone and they, they need to charge and they they need to have the break as well because the goal is that they have so much they need to deal with. Like, you know, it's not just work. It's, you know, kids, it's family, it's uh, horrible things happening with economy or with your family's health, or you maybe lose somebody and you have bereavement you need to, to think about. I think that is really interesting, that thing where you actually as companies say, it's allowed just to be 70%. It's allowed. And I'm seeing more and more of that. I mean, I'm seeing, you know, um, I'm seeing more and more of that with the teams and the organizations that we're working with is people kind of going, all right, this pace that we've been running at is not sustainable. Remember when the pandemic started, we all thought it was going to be like two or three weeks. Remember that? And so people are like, cool, Netflix, like we can handle this for a couple of weeks. Well, it's been two years, you know? And so um, I think that people are really starting to see like, okay, already the way we we're working before the pandemic was not sustainable. Now, even more so it's highlighted how unsustainable our pacing is. And, you know, it's funny because um, I'm reading the book right now, Stolen Focus um, by, um, Oh my gosh, Johan, I believe it's Johan Hari. I, if, if I if I butchered his name, I apologize. But um, I'm reading that book right now, and he's talking about what's happened to our focus, and it's fascinating because one of the things that I read that I didn't I didn't realize was like we actually can't multitask in our brains. If I understand the way he's talking about it, 
we think that we could do like eight or 10 things at once, you know, and really we can do one or two. We can have one or two like real thoughts, conscious thoughts at a time where we can really like kind of slow down and give our best work. Um, but because of computers and all that good stuff years and years ago, uh, we started to say that we could multitask and do eight to 10 things as human beings. Well, we can't. And I think one of the things I'm taking from that book is, and I'm not all the way through it, so I'll just caveat it here. So if I, again, if I'm butchering the message, then I apologize. But one of the things I'm taking away so far for myself is simply this idea that um, speed shatters, speed shatters quality. Like the, the slower that we can actually go and expand our world and be more present with the things that we're doing, with the people, with our tasks, with our, like whatever's work, whatever we're working on, the more we can kind of slow down and be present in that, the deeper we can go and the better the quality of that product is going to be. So I think in hospitality, I think about like waiting tables, you know, you guys are people are running around like crazy. There's not a lot of time to kind of slow down, but there is because you absolutely can start to bring more presence with you as you go. So even as you're going to wait tables, even if you're moving really fast, if you're more present to what's happening in you, and you're more present with customers and you're also doing practices before you even get to work that help you kind of slow down and be with yourself. You build up your resiliency. So when speed does have to happen, you're not getting clobbered by it. It's so interesting, you know, because I, I'm so lucky to spend most of my time and looking at what the best of the best are doing. And, uh, you know, the best of the best have actually, you know, change the organizational framework, the opening hours, the length of the shifts. They've been very, very aware that they need to hold on to the people they have and not looking at how they get more people. And uh, and that's been very, you know, intentional for them. And one of them actually opened a whole new restaurant and they came to the conclusion they could only from a human energy and effort be open for three days to start with. That's very counterintuitive normally when you're a seven-day operation. Uh, and funny enough, they're at five days now and they're building it up. And they said, we maybe never get back to seven days because it actually it's better for organization. We can feel there's a better energy in our organization. And it's so interesting that that's what, how they have actually used the pandemic really as an opportunity. But that doesn't mean, as he said to me, we still make the same bottom line or better right now. So why should we change? Why should we put more pressure on? <laughs> I I I love that. Whoever that company is that's doing that, like major bow, hats off. Like I, I love it that they're thinking that when they're really looking at how do we, because what I hear in that is like, how do we really nurture our energy as an organization as and as individuals in the organization? How do we nurture ourselves so that when we are open for those three or five days, we can give all we've got to our customers? We can put because because energetically that's love too. The more the more we take care of ourselves, the more we love on ourselves, the more we take care of our, we nourish our bodies and our minds and our spirits and all that. The more we do that, the more we can actually give. So you can't you can't give from a completely empty you can't pour from an empty cup, right? So um, I would rather see and I, I would invite any company any organization listeners to like really look at what's your version of that where you're realizing, all right, how do we hone in our work schedules. How do we hone in the amount of meetings that we have? Like anything that is soul sucking that's happening in your organization right now, how do you actually start to move that out, replace it with more time and care and presence for your people so that when they are on, they can fully engage and not feel resentful about it. Your customers will feel that energy. You will make more money. Like, like the customers are feeling the energy, right? I mean, if you think about, we've all had the experience of going into 
um, I can remember going into a, a toy store years ago and um, the, the, the guy was just exhausted and I'm with my kids and I'm, I'm asking, you know, like questions and he's like, Oh, this is my fourth day working in a row, long shifts over time. You know, and I'm thinking, dude, I feel, I feel for you, but I felt the energy of that. And then I'm thinking, anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can probably cut that out of the interview, but we've all had, we probably cut that Michael, but we've all had, we've all had that experience of having a, somebody in hospitality or service who's having a bad day or is just totally exhausted and not being loved on and the energy that comes through that impacts whether we buy things or we eat more food or we go back to that restaurant or go back to that hotel or whatever it's going to be. So that's what I really want to say. Not about. <laughs> yeah. So because what you're really saying is that we, we were all in the, the energy business in principle. That's uh, the, the only business this you talk a lot about in, in your books also, you know, the titles are contagious, you contagious culture, and in a lot of the communication, you have to talk about contagious. What does it? What does that mean to you? And why have you really? That's like your banner. It feels like it's a banner you're walking under. <laughs> yes, yeah. So contagious culture we released in 2015, and the the you know the contagious you was released at the very end of 2019, right before contagious COVID broke out. So um, so it's so it's, so it's been interesting to look at that because. You know, right now, I think we're very, very aware of how contagious we are physically from COVID and everything we've just been going through. Um, but we are also more, we are also incredibly contagious in the energy we bring to the table, in our attitudes, our emotions. Like, you know, um, we're contagious. We, we're, we're, there's a scientific reason behind it. Our mirror neurons, you know, I am with you, Michael, and you're, you know, I, I, let's just, I'll use me. I'm, I'm in a really bad mood or I'm bringing really negative energy to the table automatically. If you are not paying attention to holding your space, you're likely to start to match my vibration. So that's where it's contagious and it's mirror neurons are seeing it. You're seeing something. It's, it's the same reason why, you know, we go to a, a hot stove and, you know, I burn myself and then you flinch, even though I burn myself, it's because you experience that from a mirror neurons standpoint, what that might feel like, you, you know, this, okay. So contagious from our emotions and our energy, you know, we're in an organization. I go in on a shift. I'm in a bad mood. It's going to be very easy for me to bring down the whole shift, the other people on the shift, if I'm bringing that energy in and the people around me don't know how to manage their state. Because there's a rule in this work, which is the lowest vibration will win unless somebody in the room, and now it's you because you know about this has the ability to be aware of when that low vibration is there and has the ability to hold their state so they don't match it. Right. So that's contagious. And that's really hard because, you know, especially if the highest uh, paid person, the hippo in the room is the one that is a bit negative, you will see how quickly, how everybody sees problems instead of solutions. Oh, big time. That will, and, and I mean, look at that. Like, so complaining is contagious, you know, you and I can have a conversation and I can decide how I want to set the tone. I can either start us off going, Oh my God, I can't believe this thing happened. And then you're going to match me there, right? Unless you're holding your state. Cause you can, you can shift the tone. You can, if you want to, and if you're aware of what's happening, but so often people aren't aware that it's happening until they're in the gutter with the other person. So if I decide to start by complaining, you're likely going to complain too. We're going to create this nice, huge collusion. We just go down the tube together or, I can start the conversation by going, you know, I noticed this thing is happening on the team 
here's what I'd love to see instead. So now instead I'm putting a request underneath the complaint. I'm, I'm actually looking from a request standpoint. That energy sets a different kind of a tone where you're going to go, oh, well, that's interesting. And then we're going to start to go up in the vibration. So I, as the leader or whoever, whoever on the team, any, any person on the team can do this, but especially as a leader, I, as the leader have the responsibility to really look at before I walk into a room, what's the tone I want to set? Do I want to set a tone of complaining and negativity? And this is hard and I'm so tired and blah, blah, blah. And I want to bring everyone down. Or do I want to set the tone of, Hey, I know we're really understaffed right now. I know that we've got some things that we really want to shift. Let's look at how do we shift those? That starts with me. You have a, a, a three-step model, I think, that's quite brilliant. I think the, the audience needs to hear about this, especially about how you become contagious in any kind of direction. Can you talk a bit about the uh, the EIP method and how actually how uh, how simple that actually is to think about in, in that framework before any meeting, any encounter with another human being? Yeah, you bet. You bet. Absolutely. Well, and and, and two things. One, um, or first thing is that we're contagious no matter what. So it's not about becoming contagious. It's we're contagious no matter what. So be aware of that, like right off the bat, no matter what's happening, whether you're aware of it or not, you're having an impact on other people. And anybody listens, just start to pay attention to how you feel when you're in a conversation with people. Start to pay attention to when you go to a table to or, or somebody comes into your restaurant or into your hotel or whatever, Start to pay attention to what is it you feel? What's the energy you feel from that person? They're, they're either going to bring you up or they're going to bring you down or it's going to be neutral, but you will be experiencing some kind of an energetic impact with that person. What is the energy that you're actually projecting that's going to create that for them? So we have a lot of control over this. It, again, starts with the awareness. Um, the IEP method. So there's three parts of the IEP method. The first part is the ability to reboot your presence in the moment. So the minute I notice I'm not present, the minute I notice I'm bringing negative energy to the table, how quickly can I breathe, catch myself and do a reboot um, so that I can step into showing up a little bit more present or a little bit more like I want to. And this doesn't mean it's a spiritual bypass. It doesn't mean that I'm having a really bad morning and that I pretend like everything is great, something terrible. Just, it, it's, so it's not about faking it, but it is about being aware of it and being able to reboot so I can go in and bring better energy to the table. So I can talk a little bit more about that because it's simple, but there are a lot of different ways to address it authentically. Um, the second part of the methodology is about building a strong energetic field and foundation. And this is something that we are doing all the time. Um, this is something that we're doing with every single thing we put in our body, our food, our sleep, our hydration, exercise, um, you know, me time, meditation time, uh, the strong foundation has to do with the people we hang out with, you know, the relationships that we have. Do we hang out with people that exhaust the heck out of us? Are we hanging out with people who, um, are actually life-giving and energizing and make us want to be better? Like there's, so there's a whole, with each of these parts of the method, there's, there's many, many rabbit holes we could go down into how you each do each part. So I just want to be clear about that. But the, building a strong energetic field and foundation, this literally has to do with how do you set yourself up every single day, hour, moment, so that you are strengthening your energetic field versus depleting it. And that doesn't mean you're always like on go mode at all. It actually might be that you're doing what I call conscious disengagement, where you lay on the couch all day long, eat Cheerios and watch Netflix. 
(laughs) But it's being conscious about making sure you're getting taken care of so your field is as strong as possible. And then the third part of the uh, the third part of the IEP methodology is the ability to create intentional impact. And creating intentional impact is happening before any conversation. Um, you're going to a, a meeting with your team. You're about to do a project. Any any single thing that you do, you've got the ability to create intentional impact. And I think. The framework you're talking about, I think, might be in that one, Michael, where it's a five-step framework where you really look at before you go into that conversation, you know, what's the impact I want to have? How do I want this person to feel? What do I, you know, how do I need to show up to have that impact? What do I have to believe? And what do I have to actually do? So those are the three components of the method. Um, As I said, every single one has different elements to support it. So you strengthen that and, and it becomes a lifelong practice. And then the IEP, I just realized, I don't know if we've said this, but IEP stands for intentional energetic presence. So intentional energetic presence is about being truly intentional about the energetic presence you are bringing to anything that you do, whether you are with people or just even with yourself. And the way that we manage our energetic presence has a huge impact on the tone that we're setting and the experience that we're creating. And then finally, if you break those three things down, you've got your intentions, which is what you want to have happen. You have your energy, which is, are you taking, how are you taking care of the energy and the stamina? So you can do those things you want to have happen. And then your presence, which is, how are you showing up so you can actually have the impact you want to have? So that is, that is IEP method, like quick and dirty in a couple minutes of like, you know, just there it is. Yeah. There's like one thing you should go and Google afterwards. That's it. I would say there's like so much in that and maybe start practicing. One thing that really, I may became even more aware of, I think I've always been aware of my foundation, you know, because the foundation needs to be in place. You said the food to sleep and so on. And and reading your books, preparing for this, um, after Ari made me the introduction to your work, it really made, made me reconsider some morning routines and evening routines, because actually that was where the problem was. In the middle of the day, I'm very effective, but I actually didn't start out right and end right. And that actually bothered me somehow. So can you talk a bit about the the power of routines? And you talk about that in the book as well and how important it is, especially to achieve resilience in in, in, in this environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you know, so and I want and I just wanna like there's a, there's a little pause moment. I just wanna underline. So the idea that we're talking about here is the ability to manage your energy so that you're well taken care of, right? And that you're creating a really good experience for yourself. But even and equally importantly, and this is an important part that sometimes people forget when they think about managing their energy, they think, well, managing my energy is all for me. I think the equally important is being responsible for the energy we are bringing to the table with other people. Um, to me, the self-care piece that you're starting to talk about is a leadership skill, because the more you take care of yourself and the more you build your energetic field, the better you can manage your energy for yourself and really have it feel good. And then the better you're going to be able to give and serve everybody around you. So I think I want to just introduce this idea of being in service of underneath because underneath anything that we're doing, because if we can put the intention, this is where the intention piece comes in, right? If my intention is to be absolutely in service of you, your audience, this body of work, my team, my kids, our clients, like all the things, if my intention is to be clearly, truly in service of then all of a sudden self-care and saying no to the to things that are going to deplete my energy, that becomes so much easier because my intention of service 
is more important to me than my intention of feeling comfortable, right? And not saying no, <laughs> right? So, okay. So, so I just, I, it's an, that's an important, you, you asked at the very beginning, you're like, is there anything you want to make sure? I, for some reason, intuitively, that's coming up as a really important piece is to make sure that you're really looking at, this is about taking care of you, but it's also about being able to be in better service to those that you're leading and serving. And yeah, that. And the, and the impact you have on them and their lives, especially if you're a leader, you have a massive impact on, on people's lives. There's sometimes, you know, even the unsaid stuff uh, in, in your day-to-day -day job and how you do things. And then they're taking that home with them. That's the other thing to think about. You, as a leader, you have a bad day, you know, or you're ha you have unintended impact or you move through something fast and we always call it, um, you know, like you have impact that kind of leaves dead bodies everywhere. People, so people are feeling really bad working with you, right? Those people, your people are then putting that energy to your customers, but then they're also going home to their families and talking about what a bad day they had and they're bringing that energy with them. And so we just have contagious energy running all over the place. And what I believe is that as a planet, we start to lower our vibration every time as a planet, it's a collective. Every time I don't take responsibility for my impact and I don't take care of myself and I put something negative into the space without cleaning it up or being accountable for it or making a repair around it. Every time I do that, I am, I am contributing to the collective lowering of the vibration on the planet. So, you know, when people get really overwhelmed by like, we got to change the world and we want to, you know, do all these big things. No, don't worry about changing the world. Focus on how do you bring the best energy authentically? Okay. How do you be, bring the best energy to the table so that you can be a contributor to actually elevating the vibration? And with that, I want to say it's never about spiritual bypassing and pretending like you're not having a hard time because part of bringing good energy is going, actually, I'm in the pit right now. I'm totally depressed. I need help right now. I need therapy. I need to take a month off. I need to go on a sabbatical. Like, that's part of the self-care piece is really owning. I'm burnt out right now. So I'm going to do what I need to do to take care of myself so that I can be whole and bring my best energy. So. And it's so interesting because what you said there remind me of uh, Gandhi talked about, you need to be the, the change you want to see in the world. And if you want to change the world, you need to start here. It starts here all the time, every day, every second, as you say, if we, we will look at, Look at the last two years, Anise, where you've been running your business, you've been working with clients. What have been like your like pivotal learning in all this? You know, because it's it, I don't think I really had grasped myself yet, but there's been a lot of learnings. So the pandemic actually, we I, I got I got like a PhD in in Anise, <laughs> and also the IEP work with the pandemic because the long and the short of it is is that we released we released Contagious You right before the pandemic. And so that book, the, we had made some changes in the business. We like long story short, we had done a lot of things in the business to really let that book go crazy in 2020 and speaking engagements and a book tour, like all those things. Well, that didn't happen. It's like the world kind of shut down for a minute. Um, and so we, we went through, we went through a really hard period of time, actually in 2020 for the first, I would say the first six, seven months of the pandemic, it was, it was a very, um, it was a very soul searching time for me and my team. And what we ended up doing was, you know, more than 60% of the work was dependent on me being out in the world and speaking and teaching in the rooms and facilitating. We couldn't do that anymore. Um, and so we had to really look at, all right, what are we going to do now? Where does this work fit now? 
I wrote a book calling people contagious. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Some people needed a minute to think about that. And, um, and, and it was hard. Like it was, it was a really hard period of time for me personally, leading the company, leading the team, my kids, all that. Um, I was, I, I think it was, it was probably, I would put it in the top three hardest times of my life, that period of time. And what the invitation to me was then was to really look at who did I want to become in the pandemic? Um, who did the company want to become? You know, I remember having a really poignant conversation with my team early on and just saying, all right, guys, everything shifted. What we thought was was going to happen for 2020, it's not. We want to really look at how do we serve best now. And so I really want us to think about who do we become as a team? Who do we become as individuals? Who do we want to become as um, servers basically in the world right now? And what do our customers need the most? And so we spent the first, like, I would say we spent 2020 doing experiments and looking at how, what do people need? We did a lot of free book clubs. We did free sessions for people and just said, we know that everybody's kind of on their ear right now. Let's just like dig in and let's just see what works. Um, we ran 18 different experiments. Um, one of the experiments that I personally ran for myself is I was like, all right, well, this kind of sucks right now. Um, how do I use the IEP work for myself to get myself off the floor and really look at how do I want to serve in the world? What do I need now to take care of myself? What kind of therapy do I need? Like, what kind of support do I need? And I used that year as an experiment for me to see did the IEP work in a period of time when it was going to be that hard and how important was it? And I actually came out of I came out of that, Michael, more committed than ever to the work. I, we came out of it. We completely changed the company. We actually ended up growing our team. Um, I got even clearer on the vision around, you know, how we could impact more companies in a bigger way versus like the way that we were doing it before. Um, and so my learning, it's a very long, I don't know if that's a useful story or not, but my learning of it was, the more I tended to my own well-being, the more I um, really did my, you know, my IEP sheet that, that we've talked about in the book, you know, but the IEP sheet basically looks like this. The more I did this every single day, the more I took space for myself around nutrition, meditating. I didn't drink all of 2020. Most people were drinking a ton. I didn't even, I like just stopped drinking completely because I was like, I want my system really, really clear so I can see what's here. Um, and the more that I did that, the stronger my field became, the clearer I became, the more excited the team became. And then ultimately, by the end of 2021, we had redesigned everything and we were shifting in different places that now are a lot more, um, that are a lot stronger and broader to be able to do this work in the world on a, on a much bigger scale. So the learning was take care of yourself, total authentic emotion. I had a therapist. Um, I have a sister who's a best friend. We were on the phone all the time. Um, you know, the self-care piece was essential. And then I would say right with all that was staying connected to purpose and service because on the days that were the hardest, all I had to do was come back to what is this work in service of who do we want to become in this? How do we want to be most helpful? And that was the question that got me kind of off the floor. Thank you so much. Very, very authentic and, and very honest sharing that, you know, even when you work with these things, you can actually, you know, really get in the floor and actually you need to, to build yourself up again. And, well, and real, real quick, I share that story because a lot of times people think, oh, well, this work is just about having it all together. And I, like, I literally will have people say to me, God, you probably never have, I mean, they don't, it's not this extreme, but like, you probably never have problems. It's like, no, I, I have stuff come up all the time. What, what has happened for me is my resiliency is better. 
And my ability to ask for help quickly has grown like that has grown huge. Like my ability to ask for help and go, wow, you know what, Michael, I'm kind of in the gutter right now. Can you talk to me? I can process through things more quickly. So I share that story with everybody because a lot of times people think that leaders, CEOs, the people at the top of the organization don't struggle, that they've got it all together. In my experience, every single leader, I don't care how evolved you are, how much work you've done, every single person has stuff going on. Um, often just don't share it. And so you want to be really thoughtful. Like one, I, I want to give permission to people who may be struggling right now that are at the top of their game or they're in a huge leader, leadership position, get the help that you need so you don't have to hold it all together. Because I think in my experience, that is when I've gotten into the most trouble has been when I was like, oh, you know what? I can't, I can't fall apart right now. I have to hold it all together for the team or the company. And then that just put more pressure on me. And then ultimately it just slowed down my healing. And so ask for help fast, I guess is my point. Yeah. And I think that's like is my one of my own experiences as well, where you think that people looks at you to be the strong one, the elite soldier. I, uh, uh, I can remember one of the first time I went for advice myself, I was told by this uh, counselor that, Michael, you are the typical uh, profile of an elite soldier. You just make everything look like it's absolutely fine, but it's fucked and you know it. <laughs> and, 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 oh, and when you learned that, it really unleashed that thing. I could go and ask for help, and it was okay. It was really difficult for me. It took me a long time to get to that thing. So I also say to people out there, yeah, yeah, you know, confront it, you know, and actually ask for help. There's people who love to help you. So here's the other thing about that: by asking for help and by being authentic as a leader in your organization, you are giving your people permission to ask for help as well. That is the modeling. We need more of that modeling of vulnerability. Some of the strongest acts of leadership I have seen ever, and, and especially in the last two years, have been when leaders on the teams have been so authentic that they've said, you guys, actually, I'm really struggling right now. It doesn't mean that they're vomiting all over the team and that they're projecting all their stuff. It means they're being honest. Like, this is really hard. I'm scared. I'm not sure what we're gonna do. Let's figure it out together. And what happens is you can feel relief amongst the team because the team's like oh you know what i'm actually having a hard time too so this whole thing we've got where we're walking around pretending like we've got things figured out like it's over like just stop just stop just do your very best to serve do your work contribute to your people i think as leaders our job our number like one of our most important jobs is to make sure that we are setting the people up around us to be better to step into more leadership and to also feel really taken care of um the way that we do that is by modeling it ourselves if you were to wish one question I've asked you in this conversation, which one would that be? And what would you have answered? I, th I, th I think it would probably be, uh, it's a good question. I, I think what it would have been before we had this conversation is different than it is now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that I would say, uh, what is a question leaders can ask themselves to bring themselves back home? Like to bring themselves back to center. And the answer to that question would have been get really clear about your intention, about the impact that you want to have, like get really clear about your intention, take really good care of your energy, like really notice how you're taking care of your energy, and then be really honest about how you're showing up and how present you are. And if you can keep coming back to those three, three things, what's my intention, what's my energy, what's my presence, that will slow you down enough to start to get a little bit more space to look at what do you need to do to take care of yourself. And, and what is the next step with your team? Um, the other thing I would say is um, just an offering for people is choose one to three anchors 
that will support you. One to three anchors that will support you. So for example, it might be a word, it might be a feeling in your body, it might be an intention, but something that when you are feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling um, like you're struggling to get present or you're just, whatever it might be, that it, if you can breathe and come back to that anchor, it will give you more space again. So for example, an anchor might be, one of my anchors is gratitude. You know, so if I'm feeling really, really overwhelmed, I will stop myself and I'll go, all right, what can I be grateful for in this moment right here? Um, another anchor I have is service. Okay, wow, this whole thing just blew up. What's the littlest thing I can do to be in service of here? Another anchor is self-kindness, which is, um, you know, if I'm noticing that I'm giving myself a hard time about something or I just had unintended impact, how quickly can my recovery be where I go, oh, you know what? Wow, that wasn't the impact I meant to have. Okay, niece, like, didn't do that the way you wanted to do it. Be nice to myself about it and then look at, all right, what's the, what's the thing I could do next to repair what just happened versus giving myself a really hard time about it. So those are, those are a couple long questions. I think I twisted them around, but. Um, well, I think, I think it was some great advice there in the end, because they're very practical. Like, uh, and I like the gratitude one is one I use myself and it, it works, you know, because suddenly you, when you think everything is wrong, you actually find out it's actually not that bad <laughs> so, because you actually, you, you reconnect with the, the, you're just creating this picture in your head and it's just emotions going through your head and, and body. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think so the morning routine or whatever your routine is, I think the power of, ri of ritual, um, I think that that can be something that if you build it really honestly for yourself, you can then count on that space every day that it's just for you. So for example, um, my, and I talk about this in contagious you, like what could a morning routine look like? I, I give a couple of different examples, but what I noticed for me is that my morning routine, my rituals, they change probably, probably every couple of months. So I'll get really used to one and I'll kind of get like immune to it, you know, like it doesn't work anymore. And so, but what I've noticed is right now, my morning routine is I wake up and I've got an hour to myself, no matter what. So I get up an hour earlier before kids, before social, before email, before anything, I get up an hour earlier. So I have that space to actually do a little bit of journaling, a little bit of meditation and a little bit of reading. That's my routine right now. Some reading 10 pages, they're going to help me be better. My brain is, it's going to help my brain be better. So I do that in the morning and then I get into my day. And then at night, I've made myself now go to bed earlier. So I don't do TV at night anymore. Like I'll do a good show every once in a while, but I don't do TV. Um, I don't do social media before bedtime. Like I will shut down early and then I'll crawl in bed and I have a half an hour to kind of like set my intentions for sleep and then read something that's more personal. So in the morning, I'm reading something that's business related to get my brain primed. At night, I'm reading something a little bit more personal, a little bit more fun, right? And then I go to bed that way. And what I have found is happening right now is that I know throughout the day, no matter how crazy my day gets, I know I have my morning and I know I have my evening chunk of time that is mine. And knowing that I have that lets my system relax because I know I'm going to get that downtime to kind of rest my brain and take care of myself. So that's the, that, like, that's an example of routine right now. In the past, it would have been, I would have gotten up, maybe stretched a little bit and I would have gone and worked out real quick. You know, like, so, so find something that the messages or the invitation is this find some space in your day. It might be at lunch. I don't, it doesn't matter when it's really up to you, but find some space in your day that is for you a hundred percent 
where you can really drop in with yourself, get present with yourself, set your intentions for the day, um, get clear about who you are, how you're doing with your values, like whatever you're working on right now, and just guard that space religiously. Because if you can create that space, it's kind of like the sacred space of, um, I think of, of it as like sacred space of promises to self, where nobody gets in there, you set the tone. And then when my experience and any client I have do this, it ends up creating more space throughout their day so that they can then be more present with other people because they they already they got theirs taken care of. Yeah, and, and, the, and the thing here is the consistency of doing it every day. Then it builds up like compound impact of anything, if it's it's money or whatever it is you're compounding. So, Anise, there's so much more to explore. I can tell people out there, we just scratched the surface in this conversation. Where can people find you uh, online and where is the best place to, to go and have a, a look to to get more about your, your methods, the, the other things you're doing and so on? Thank you. Um, okay, so online, you can find me on the, let's see, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, mainly uh, just at Anise Kavanaugh. We keep it really simple. Um, uh, website is activechoices.com. So you can find all sorts of stuff. You can find stuff about the Positive Energy Workplace Initiative that we're leading. You can find stuff about the IEP methodology, lots of tools and free resources you can download. Um, and then if you want the IEP sheet, which is this tool that we created for people to just help set the day. This is another thing I do in the morning. Um, if you want that, if you go to IEP.io, um, that is a little secret site that has um, the sheet as well as a, I think it's a seven part audio coaching that you get every couple of days to help you learn how to use that sheet. So you can start to get in front of your day more and be more intentional, like your day or your meetings or whatever's happening. So those three activechoices.com, IEP.io, and then find me out on in the world and then connect with me and say, hi. And I love to hear from people. So those, those are the three, I think those are the three best ones right now. Great, great, Anissa. And thank you for, for the tool as well. I will put that all in the show notes so, so people can find them. Thank you so much for coming here to make a, a positive impact today. Uh, I send you and the team all the power and energy you need to uh, to navigate through the, the coming time and uh, keep on doing your great work. You're making a big difference out there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, Anise. What an impactful conversation. Thank you so much for all your insights and advice on how to boost your self-leadership and the impact you have on other people. I would recommend you now to ask yourself, what can I do to show up better and more impactful? To get further inspiration on how to lead yourself better, please tune in to episode 146 with Samantha Clark, CEO and author of Love It or Leave It on the New Way of Leading. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review, or subscribe to one of our channels. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their social at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly on advice at bizsimply.com. A big thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to the newsletter for more Maverick insights at hospitalitymavericks.com. And don't worry, if you didn't get all of this, there will be links in the show notes. I'm Michael Tingsam, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast Show.
Be Maverick.